0: you. Mm-hmm. Back to Two Nobodies, everyone. Happy New Year! It's been some time since Kyle and I have gotten together to do a little Two Nobodies talk, but we're excited to be back. Kyle, we made it to season two or year two. We did thirty-one episodes. That's what it was first year. You, thirty-one episodes.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I was there for about twelve of them, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. We had said when we started, we'll see. First, I think we said ten, and then we're like, "Ah, yeah, it was 230
0: so we did thirty. Yeah, we did. I mean, that that was. Uh, that was kudos to you though, because I remember I was like kind of projecting and trying to think, okay, what that number would be. And you're like, well, you kind of just have to do 10 and then kind of s- snowball a little bit. And then you setting it at like 30 was very motivating for me. So, so what's otherwise our I probably number? would have like lost my motivation a little bit because it's like, yeah, I don't know. It takes some time obviously to get going. Right. So
1: oh yeah. Like time you're going. And when you, I don't know about you, but after the first couple, I would like go back and listen to myself and just think, I sound like an idiot. I can't Mm. talk. I say like all the time. I say, um, all the time. And I'm not good at articulating points clearly. There's so many times where I had a clear message in my head that I wanted to say, but on, on the show, it would take me three times as long to get there as it should have. And by the end of it, I was confused as as to what I was trying to say. It's a real learning process to figure out. So, you know, to uh, watch yourself on TV, um, or on YouTube, I guess, because it's 2022. Nobody watches TV anymore. <laughs> um, but to watch yourself on video and to hear yourself, like watching yourself is—I always do this. Like, like my eyes always go up and around, and, and like when I'm thinking, I'm doing weird things with my face. I'm the same way. So you watch that and and you look at you're like, am I weird? Like, is 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 that weird mannerisms? Are those weird mannerisms? But then you listen to yourself, and I sound like an idiot. I thought, especially the first like five or ten episodes. Even now, I I catch myself stuttering all the time and. Um, anyway, so it's humbling to start and then you see the result and you're not really pumped about it. So it takes a bit of effort to kind of get going. One of the things though, that's really, I feel like kept the momentum going is all the wonderful guests that you've recruited. Just really genuinely interesting people that are passionate about whatever they're talking about. It's super fun to, to, to talk to and to learn from. And our first guest was Tim Grant, super Mm -hmm. interesting guy, like (laughs) decorated career. And he just came on the show because he's a nice guy. Just I absolutely. No, oh you... I, I
0: agree we're 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 very blessed to have the guests that we did and they're fascinating conversations. I was actually going to ask you what stood out from those conversations, whether it be like content or just the conversations themselves. But I was going to say that like loved hearing about you know the work that these people are doing, mm-hmm. but the thing I loved the most was just like getting people into a place where it was like different for them right Mm -hmm. there were some guests where just they they hadn't been asked certain questions right and then and you're getting them to into a place of some vulnerability and then you start to see them opening up a little bit more right like that connection was really cool to me super cool Um, that's what i that's what i actually really enjoyed the most because i mean the content content's fascinating like you know Emma Allen Verco and in the microbes like so we cool. could have talked for 2 hours on that so one. cool Lenore Newman oh, right, she might have been much, she was
1: so funny just yeah I don't know I I really enjoyed our conversation with both of them they were amazing and then Chawel Prevo the uh author um mm-hmm. and psychologist Oh I got her
0: book I got her book by the way she uh Oh she did she uh she sent us two signed copies. So oh, so sweet. We're gonna have to do a little post on Instagram for her, but yeah.
1: That's super nice. Anyway, she was really interesting and and they're all very down to earth and I always um I think about what these people are going through and because they're experts in their field, you know, most of these people we learn about through newspaper articles or other forms of, of media, whether it's on YouTube or whatever. Um and so they it's it's not new. Talking to people about what they know is not new. Mm. And I imagine sometimes that can get kind of tiring. And so whenever we go into a a, um, conversation or an interview, I always try to think about what's something, you know, for people that are so tired of having these conversations and being asked the same questions over and over again, how can we make this interesting for them? And a lot of times Mm. there's just been a bit of a connection. Uh, And, you you know, I would ask the guests that (laughs) as opposed to my assumptions. Um, but I always feel like, like there's a bit of a connection there and we just kind of connect and we try to have fun, um, always try to make them laugh a little bit and allow them to kind of crack a joke here and there and ask sort of, um, not ordinary questions like that, you know, we've, um, you always ask that five for dinner question and I think, (laughs) I don't know i've heard four or five people after the interview was over say that's a really interesting question or even in mm. in the interview that's a really interesting question so just angles or questions that they aren't used to answering And i think that sort of helps i mean we have a lot of room to improve but i I'd, I'd say that's sort of a, a strength
0: yeah i i you know it's i think we could have gone down the road not to say we don't want to ask like the sexy questions that create sound bites like sometimes you just have to ask some of these things mm. Um, but I've heard a number of guests after the, after our conversations where they just appreciated, like we didn't necessarily ask, like, yeah, things that were just going to create, uh, just really nice sound bites from their interview. Right. Like mm. it was, they just felt like it was a good, deep conversation. And so, um, I think hopefully the authenticity, we continue that and, and people grab onto that. Cause I think yeah. it's something that people seem to be enjoying. Yeah,
1: this is starting to feel like a two nobody's advertisement. So what do we suck at? <laughs> like, what's the stuff that we got to improve at, or that I don't know. I personally, I don't know that we can do any more book reviews or anything. Cause the, the few times that I've tried to talk about a book, I take notes beforehand and because I want to c- sort of stay on cue. Cause I wander. I like, you know, I'm, I'm not always staying on point. And a couple of those episodes are just unbearable to me. Like the, the, um. Coddling of the American mind, which is the only time mm. this is the only time I'm, I'm going to mention this, uh, this book this year, because I feel like every sure? episode I bring it okay. up, yeah. I have to yeah. stop talking about that book. <laughs> but it was just me reading notes. And it was obvious that it was just me reading notes. And it wasn't I hated that. And so I need to get mm. better at either synthesizing the information well enough so I can just have a free flowing conversation about it that's not scripted, or just stop doing that because that that's something that I really I loved the content that we were talking about, but I didn't portray it in a way that's really that, um, interesting. Mm. So what do you got to work on? Cause we're all just here talking about how, how great we are at this.
0: No, I I think it's just holding that pause. We've talked about the whole silence thing and just letting that happen. Sometimes I feel like, especially if I'm like Kyle and I, we take kind of, depending on who the guest is, we might take turns on kind of leading an episode, but especially those ones where I'm leading, I feel like this this urge to fill in that space and and I think we just have to hold that a little bit more so that's definitely I want to I want to work on that and then the other thing is it's it is tough to when you're having a conversation and you have a question queued up and you you're wanting to pay attention to what that person is saying so that you can build off that conversation but you might have some really good questions that you have in the queue and so it's like figuring out when to place those questions And that's definitely an area that I want to work in because I get stressed. Like I really like I'm like super by the end of these episodes, my jaw is so tight and like my my masseter muscles here are just tense. Right. And so, yeah, that's I just want to just listen to these people and have good conversations and not put so much pressure on like, okay, I have this set of questions. Right. That I need to ask. And actually, that's that's when it feels forced. And that's when it feels like um, more of an interview, which I know generally some of these things are, but I like the, I like the ones where they're a lot more free flowing.
1: Yeah. I find it's really hard to actively listen, to have hundred percent of my attention on somebody who's Mm -hmm. saying something interesting and think about what I'm gonna say next, you know, so your point, like I have these questions queued up. I I wanna listen to what you're saying, because that is sort of how we can have natural sounding conversations. But I also have some questions I want to get through in case their point ends and there isn't a clear question, you know, Mm. off of what they just said. So you want to have something queued up, but you want to be paying attention, but you can't always do that. And you've done a lot of interviews by yourself. When it's both of us, we can sort of rely on somebody else to maybe have the next question in mind or to sort of help with that momentum. But if it's just you, you're everything. Like you are the one leading the interview. You are the one trying to make it, you know, comfortable for the guests, but also natural sounding conversation, but also Mm. get to the points that you want to touch on. It's hard i mean i i feel for you um so anyways hopefully we have more episodes with both of us in them this year because that would be absolutely that'd be sweet um yeah, yeah we got a website coming i think i was working on it I'm before excited. the new year i mean i think it looks good but i've never done any uh any kind of web design so it probably looks terrible um <laughs> it but... looks
0: good guys it really does i hope people like
1: it <laughs> it was me so don't if you like look at it and you think like, this is really bad that's totally fair, and you're probably right. But to me, I'm like, mm-hmm, microphone picture right here. This looks good. Uh, probably going to win an award. So anyways, that should be coming soon-ish. And then we've got some, uh, you've been booking meetings, and I keep telling you that I'm going to try to invite people on, and i got a couple that I'm really excited about. Um I'll hopefully say yes. Um, so yeah, hopefully here's to another year of uh, podcasting and having interesting conversations with interesting
0: people. Let's just see what's possible, man. Let's I, I'm having a lot of fun. And I, I guess the other thing is that, um, you know, just appreciated that you and I have been able to connect like before this whole thing, mm-hmm. we were friends, but I would say we've had some really good conversations with each other, like on and off our recordings. And so just appreciate you as a friend and looking forward to building our friendship even closer this year.
1: Yeah, this is almost like a social thing, because we when we're really mm-hmm. cooking, we're, we're touching base like we're messaging every other day and we're mm-hmm. actually conversing at least once a week. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. We've definitely grown as buds and um mm. I think that's really, really nice. So I'm quite grateful for that. And hopefully that continues too. maybe some, maybe there'll just be like a massive rift between us and then we'll have like competing <laughs> podcasts and send <laughs> we'll up in like a podcast war or something. Well, who knows? Right. I mean, this could turn into <laughs> Avengers Endgame podcast version or something, which I actually mm. didn't see those movies, but you know, I imagine there's a war there somewhere. So maybe that's us. Yeah. Um, how was your break? How was your Christmas?
0: It was low key. It was, uh, just the three of us. We typically in the past would go to Ontario, visit family, but decided not to do that this year, just stay here. Uh, it was, it was Avina, uh, my daughter, she just in a gift coma, right? Like just yeah. got so many gifts and I don't know, we, we, we I don't know about you, but we, we debate this we've debated this the last couple of years we're we're cognizant of not giving her too much obviously but at the same time it's something about just this pandemic and her not being able to go out and stuff like that it just for both of us we have a soft spot of wanting to and this is not the right way probably doing it but filling that maybe void with like just things for her right And, and this is the only time really of the of the year that we would do that and so Yeah, anyways, I don't feel bad about it, but it just makes me pause a little bit about whether that was the right approach or what does that mean. But particularly
1: now, because it's been so cold where we live, Mm -hmm. it's not. you can't take your kid out. If you can take him out at all, you can't take him out for more than 15, 20 minutes. So that Mm -hmm. limits all these outdoor activities. Lots of days we just didn't take him out because it was minus 40 with a wind chill or something. and So you get frostbite in no time. So I, yeah. I I get that too, and particularly around this time of years, so you feel kind of caged in or something, and there's only so many toys you can play with, so many ways before you need you know a bit of injection of the new. So I get that, buddy.
0: Yeah, no, no well that no, that's true. Um, we watched uh watched try to watch movies every now and then. When I watched, uh, did you watch Don't Look Up? Yeah. what did you think of it? Great, loved it. It was it was hilarious. Yeah, it was it was I, very just the funny. irony they had into it. Obviously there's a play on like Trump and his son with the president and the yeah. chief of staff and then but just yeah, just this extreme example of like how there's still polarization and then they find out, you know, that they've been duped and it's just too late and
1: Yeah. And I mean yeah, yeah like there's a lot of sort certain... of oh, that was
0: probably a spoiler, guys, for anyone who hasn't Or have they been anything. duped? It depends yeah. on what
1: you think duped is. Or who knows? See, now now they don't know. See? I just saved your butt. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. A little on the nose. Like, there's no there's no finesse to those metaphors. It's just mm. <laughs> it's just a kick in the ass. Um, yeah. You are know, like, rightfully so, whatever. And Adam McKay's done some good stuff. He did Vice, and he was the one that did the big short. Um, oh, okay.
0: That's why I could see some similarities in the way. Okay. Yeah. That so, like, you
1: know, he, he always has a bit of a political slant, and he's, he's telling mm. a story that... And I, I think he tells them well, and even his, he started on, well, I'm not sure if he started, but he was on Saturday Night Live for a while as a writer, I think, mm-hmm. or content creator. And so you can see sort of his older SNL skits or digital shorts, whatever it was, that sort of lead into how this movie comes along, I think. I thought it was great. I, I heard it wasn't getting great reviews, but I don't I don't really understand how, because it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And it was well done, I thought. And yeah, it's a little on the nose, and there's some funny things in it but you can if you squint hard enough you could see that playing out exactly that way mm. um and the only difference is it's like a it's like this tangible meteor that's like coming towards earth versus <laughs> whatever other socialists you want to throw in there i mean he's he was probably driving to climate change i guess but um there's a thousand other things that you could replace for you know meteor and mm-hmm. you know you'd believe it until people actually physically see whatever the thing is you know they're, they're just not going to believe it and I, and I think it talks a lot you know, it's tough right now to know where to get information that's reliable and where to, mm. you know, like I think for people maybe like I have a bachelor's science degree and so I, I understand and sorry that you know that it's as part of the curriculum of of that degree, you know, you are heavily dosed with with um, peer reviewed science, mm. and so. I you know I sort of understand the value of that because it's been beat into my head in every first year science course I took and every research course I took and all that stuff. But if you never you know if you found that you didn't want to go to school and um you know it, it wasn't beat into you, you might not understand the value of peer reviewed science. And why would you? Like it's 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 not something that they teach in schools, and they probably should. But so there's different levels of understanding of what it is. That there's different uh, levels of understanding of how it works and you know if we're all just getting our information from headlines which a lot of people are including mm-hmm. myself um it's tough to sort of understand what's real and what's not and what you what you can rely on and what you can't and who's funding things and who's not and how that impacts maybe what your opinion should be on the reliability of data and it's also not because you know it's not always easy to access published scientific peer reviewed mm-hmm. journals. It's it, like, you or need understand to... them for that. Totally. Matter. Like so the like, the one... yeah. On. Yeah. yeah, totally. So like you don't know where they are. Some you have a, um, you have to have a subscription to actually access them. So you got to pay money. And two, you know, these are experts in whatever the field is, and they're dealing with like some, you know, very specific part of a mm-hmm. huge, you know, likely scientific um complex system. And so they use very specific technical words because that's the language of their sphere. But I don't know any of that shit because I am not a whatever mm-hmm. um climate scientist. Or I'm not like if you're studying the eyes of some crab, you're not going to say, here's a species, here's the eye, here's what it th-. like you'd like you would expect that if you're writing some PhD thesis on the eyes of crabs, that the people reading it would have a Pretty thorough understanding of whatever that is, and so you don't mm. go through that sort of, you know, thirty thousand level down to the minutiae. You just kind of jump right in because that's how it works. So that's a long-winded way of saying, you know, even if you are able to get these reports, they're not always easy to kind of understand. And so then, then what? Like then, who do you rely on? I mean, as you could find a bias in just about every single like if it's Fox news, if it's CNN, whatever, like, like you could, like almost every media publication has a bit of a leaning politically. And I don't know, it's a, it's a really hard and, time to figure out what, where do you information, how do you trust it? How do you mm-hmm. know to trust it? Um, and to understand the the scientific peer review process, if you've never been exposed to it.
0: And in knowing all these things, the fact that we can't have honest conversations yeah. about, you know, some of the, not, well you know things that are really mainstream, obviously you know vaccinations, right? We know the science is clear and what it does, the efficacy of it, but if there are it's still a fairly new vaccine, so I can understand why people are a little hesitant yeah. and so if they have questions and have one, and want to have an honest conversation, I feel like that space is so small that you just get ripped apart by even asking such questions and, and people might have a pure intent about their questions. It's not that they're trying to like prove you wrong or anything like Mm -hmm. that. They're just genuinely curious and and they want to know if this thing is actually safe for the kids or for themselves. And we should be able to have, be able to hold those conversations, especially with all the things that you just said. And it seems like we are not able to do so. Like it it really frustrates me.
1: Especially in a space now where, you know, like I'm vaccinated, I'm getting my booster soon. Like, you know, I will get my, my children vaccinated, all that stuff when it comes, but it's a new space. And it, there's, there are, are going to be like, never in history has a vaccine been rolled out this quickly and like this broadly. And it's amazing. It's a miracle of technology that's happening. It's, you know, it, uh, if you're not vaccinated, you should probably get vaccinated over 95% of cases, at least where we live of people that are in the ICU are unvaccinated like it's a Mm. it's a it's very likely a good thing for for people to do and you know i would encourage you to be vaccinated if um if um if if your doctor agrees with me right like um but it's there are going to be some times where where people have questions on these vaccinations and the the answer is just we don't know yet but i feel like that that Mm. there isn't really a space for that and even in in those that like controversial sphere that like you just talked about when we're having these conversations, like, you know, whatever, there's so much passion that comes to that conversation that it, there's, it's almost anger or mm-hmm. like, it's just, people feel like you're challenging their entire ideologies or their way of life by challenging sort of the, a perspective on whatever the, the topic may be. And that can like, the same thing with climate change. That's the same thing with mm-hmm. all these things. Like, and you know, like bring up any, um top of mind social issue and because of sort of the polarization of of political um ideologies you know if you're not left then you're right and if you're not right then you're left and there's really no i feel like sometimes like there's no space to be in the middle mm-hmm. there and to have conversations like long conversations between the two where you sort of hash out those things and if the answer is i don't know we should just be able to say, I don't know. Like, this is like, we don't know what the long-term trends are. We don't know any of that stuff. We don't know what COVID does to you 20 years 100%. after you get COVID. And we should be able to say that stuff. We do know what happens two years after you get COVID. And and like, here's what it is. And we do know, you know, here's what the vaccines do. And here's why they protect you in a lot of ways. And, you know, I mean, even like, I don't know, like you go on this on this for I feel like we could have a, like a whole series of episodes on this, on this conversation around, you know, Mm. scientific data and like the reliability of data and, and, you know, sort of the, the, um, ability to have good faith conversations in these spaces. And, and then you throw cancel culture in and you throw, you know, and, you know, I'm not saying that people who, you know, if, if you're a misogynist who has abused women your whole career, yeah, you should lose your career. You should be in Mm -hmm. jail, right? Like, you know there are some come coming but people are scared i think to enter that space because if you say sort of the wrong like you were saying before i think about jimmy fallon I had a guest on a show and he kind mm-hmm. of used the wrong word and mm-hmm. you know who, who knows how that goes and so um it's a scary time to have those controversial opinions and the risks you know i think that people are scared to enter that space sometimes and so they just avoid it because they just don't really want to don't really want to um put themselves out there like that and, and then we
0: get nowhere right we totally. get nowhere in the, in these in, in making progress in in um in these conversations the other thing i was going to say though is some of these things are tied to people's identities right like you mm-hmm. think about climate right science is clear we know there's no we don't need to debate anything about that but but some of the you know oil and gas sector as we live in our province in alberta like there are families and communities have had generations and generations of people tied to that sector, mm-hmm. right? And it's a part of their identity. And now we're saying, well, your identity is hurting everybody. Or, or you know, you're, people are saying some really hard things to these people, mm-hmm. right? And and so now you're putting these people, their backs up against the wall. And you're going to, what kind of reaction do you think you're well, going to get? Well, and it's how, right? like, through oil and gas
1: and the jobs that they have, that's how they currently feed their family. Like, you can't just mm-hmm. discount this. Like, my family, like, my grandfather was... Um, an oil man, and you know he he fed his family for years and years and years through it, you know. And my, I don't know, I I have a long history in my family of of people working in oil and gas, and I worked in oil and gas too, and I get it. And you, you can't just discount somebody because of you know because of the fact that they work in a sector that for years uh, where we live has been the main economic driver, and mm-hmm. it's it's not a switch, like it's not a you know, okay, now we're going to transition, you know, to renewables. Like it's a, it's a long-term process and you can't just sort of write people off because they work in oil and gas. And on on the other side, you can't just write somebody off because they are, you know, pro-renewable energy. I mean, it's a, it's a mix. It's, and it's tough though, because when you enter spaces where you have those conversations, there's just a lot of passion from both sides and, Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. It's a it's a weird time to be alive to have those conversations. Um,
0: it's a lot of work too, as well to talk to somebody who is passionate about something that's on the opposite side mm-hmm. with you. It is a lot of work, and it it requires you to put yourself in a spot that is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. which we're seems like increasingly we're not willing to do. Yep. But I don't know. I I have I have a, a friend who we don't we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things in terms of um, perspectives and ideas or whatever. And, but we have a relationship, right? We're friends. And so we can actually have a proper conversation about things, right? There's an investment into our relationship, which makes a big difference, but now people are just not willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it, it's, it it makes, uh, makes me sad a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, uh,
1: there's a, so this, I think, has started to change a little bit where there are long-form long, long form conversations between mm. people on opposing ends of view. There's a great YouTube video with Sam Harris and Ben Shapiro. Mm. Just, just like talking about everything. And I think it's like a two-hour video where they just sit down and they even say, I'm like, they disagree on so much. Um, mm. You know, it's like Ben Shapiro is deeply religious and Sam Harris wrote probably the most popular um, um, not agnostic... What's the word when you don't believe in anything? Um, atheist. Atheist book of our lifetime, certainly. And so, like, but they could, but they can have a civil conversation around it, and just kind of recognize that 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 you know they're individuals with different opinions, and you know what, they're both right sometimes. And that's, um, anyways. The, 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 there's more of a space. There are pockets of the internet where people are having these respectful, long form conversations around this stuff, and they do so much more eloquently than I'll ever you know highlight an issue or outline an issue and mm. that's really really i love seeing that and i i really like um listening to those kinds of conversations or even like russell brand and who do you do it with maybe ben shapiro too actually i can't anyways i can't but like there there are series of conversations between people with very conflicting views and ideologies and they just have honest conversations and they sort of respect each other and they get heated sometimes but they both are, are, are able to sort of come back down and understand that this is a Like, like this is the point, like I'm pointing out Mm. what I see as a flaw in your philosophy or, you know, I'm pointing out some counter arguments to your thoughts and shouldn't make you upset that somebody's pointing out counter arguments to how you believe. And if you can't, if you can't defend your own viewpoint, then maybe it's time to start questioning your own viewpoint. And that, that's something that took me years, years to, to kind of learn and Mm. to not, if somebody says something that's true to you and you get upset. Whose fault is that? Right. And I was mm. the one that people would say something to me that had a hundred percent truth in it, but I didn't like that it was true or something. And so I would get mm. I would get upset. I would get, you know, I was the person that was like yelling down at people and just not healthy and not a cool way to converse. And who wants to be hang out with that guy or have a conversation with that guy? The last ten years or so I really, really tried to sort of stop that and understand other perspectives. And I'm still terrible mm. at it, but um I really appreciate these long form conversations because these are like experts in their field, you know, mm-hmm. uh,
0: and they can sit down and have respectful conversations with each other. And I,
1: I really appreciate those types
0: of things that are going on right now. Did you find yourself cheering for one or the other? No,
1: not, I mean, I like Sam Harris. <laughs> um, I've read some of his books. I like sort of how he presents his arguments. I like how much he's thought about things. I really appreciate his views on like meditation and, mm. um, all that stuff. And you know eight years ago, I I would have said that I hated Ben Shapiro probably. Um, Mm -hmm. But the more I listened to both those guys talk, the more I realized that they're quite similar in a lot of ways. And they're both just really rooted in, in uh, they have very strong rationale for why they believe what they believe. And they're happy to Mm -hmm. talk about that rationale and they're happy to debate that rationale, but they have reasons for why they think what they think. Mm Whether you agree with them or not, that's fine. But I, I, I don't know. I and like Ben Shapiro is a smart dude and he has a lot of interesting things to say and he has some things I don't really agree with, but it doesn't mean I, I just get to write him off. And like Sam mm-hmm. Harris has some things that I don't really agree with, but I'm just not going to write him off. And that's sort of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's a, so this thing I read, you know, a, and it has more to do with the polarization of political ideologies. And I think I've talked about this before in the podcast. So sorry, man, but uh, like in no. 1990, we'll say, they polled left-leaning and, and um, right-leaning voters in, in, in the United States. So like the, um, the, this is one of the things that I do when I'm talking and I'm collecting my thoughts. I stumble over my words and I don't like it. The Democrats and the Republicans. And they, and they had the top 10 most talked about issues of that time. And they said, okay, person who has voted Democrat mm-hmm. your whole life, how many of these issues do you align with? Or you know, how many of, of these issues do you agree with? So whatever, so like anti-gun, uh, pro-abortion, mm-hmm. and, and uh, pro-environment. Let's say. So and 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 then they would uh, sort of compile that, and they'd say, okay, the average Democrat agrees with three out of ten of these things, meaning that the average Democrat probably had a strong stance on the environment, but you could probably have a, you know, but we're still sort of willing to be convinced on gun control, and and it was the same on the right. They mm. redid that recently, and it's something like 8 out of 10. So if you're a Democrat, mm. you agree with whatever the top 8 of the 10 hot topics of are day. you agree with the Democratic position on that. So you're much more enshrined in sort of what the thought processes are w- with that political party. And what that means is there's less of a space to have a bit of a conversation. And mm-hmm. you can sort of – it also sucks because as a Republican, you can say, I know what those Democrats think. Or as a Democrat, you can say, I know – um what those Republicans think, and you're probably right. And so it it kind of allows you to just disregard that entire opinion. Like people mm-hmm. are really and mm-hmm. like people are also a lot more tied and ingrained in the in their party as opposed to their positions on issues. Meaning that if some brand new issue popped up tomorrow, whatever it was, uh life on Mars. Right. And the Democrats said no there is no life and the Republicans said yes there is mm-hmm. life. There are people, and if if I recall, it's the majority who would say, "Well, my party, my party, who is the Democrat Party, says there's no life on Mars, so there's no life on Mars, and you can't uh, convince me otherwise." And the Republicans would say, "Well, my party believes that there is life on Mars, and so that's what I believe, and you can't convince me otherwise." Where that so like they're much more. There's also like a bit more of a negative hue too, where people sort of align their political positions. Like, as a Democrat, I'm a Democrat because I hate those Republicans, not Mm -hmm. because I'm passionate about what my party does Mm -hmm. and vice versa. It's
0: tribal culture. Totally. So
1: there's a bit more of a negative passion around it because you're aligning yourself with this group of people, not because – and, you know, to a certain degree because you believe in what they believe and, like, what their positions are. But you're heavily influenced by the fact that, yeah, like, these people are cool, but I hate those people over there. Mm. It's it's a really weird – thing and i'd love to say that that's not the case in canada because we're not a two-party system but it's not i mean yes there are more options but really you know you, you lean one way or the other and there's a bunch of parties mm-hmm. for you to lean one way or the other and maybe they're a little bit different but we're still it's still not that different in canada i don't think
0: no i agree i think it's it's uh not different at all i, I think i mean i think that makes sense People don't have the time to, to read everything and research things yeah. and, and you know, form a, informed opinions of, of certain topics. And so then who are they going to go to? They're going to go to their media of choice. They're going to go to their, their friends, their family, people who they trust, right? And so if they trust the Democratic Party, then they're going to just align with them, right? Now, then that requires, there has to be some responsibility that some of these parties and politicians and media folks have to take, which is that they, they are, um, people who, who inform the public on so many different things and help form their positions on things. And they should hold that, that privilege or, or they should hold that space with a lot of privilege. Right. And I'm not sure that that probably happens. Right. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, I read that too about climate change, and, and I'm reading a book called "Saving Us" by Catherine Hayhill. Mm. It's fantastic, and she's uh, I don't know if you've heard about her. She's no. an atmospheric scientist out of uh, Texas, and uh, she's actually Canadian, but she moved to Texas. Mm. And she she's a strong Christian, and she talks about sort of why um, her faith has made her you know uh, study what she studied and why you know she's pursued climate change but she is she there's she says there's clear data to show that at the end of the day the thing that makes people move one way or the other is their political ideology and their leanings mm. and she kind of goes into that for a number of reasons but one of those reasons is because people are looking for or tend to band with what they know is their source of truth when they don't know what is true and what what is to believe? Especially fair in this day and age, we don't yeah. know what to believe at all. Like you said, you started this podcast with that, and so then you're going to go to to your party. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, yeah. yeah, what I was gonna I, I was gonna say though, talking about sort of this strong allegiance to one party or the other. I don't know if you've been following what's been happening in the states uh-huh. in like in November, but so earlier this year, the Democrats passed significant uh, legislation or uh, funding to support people who, you know, are having trouble going through COVID. So, like, you know, major monthly payments, kind of similar to CERB, our yeah, CERB yeah. Canadian Emergency Response Benefit. And so that was a success. It was, I think, one point something trillion. It might be more than that. It was a significant amount of money. But the bigger prize, or something that was supposed to follow, was Joe Biden's Build Back Better plan. Okay which is essentially to make inroads in a number of areas. This is like progressives like wish list, right? So obviously action on climate change and and action on social justice and and a number of different things that are super important to progressives. And so it, I believe it passed the House and then it goes to the Senate. And so I'm not sure if you're aware, but in the United States Senate right now is a 50-50 split. And if you remember from 2020, how excited Democrats were to pick up those two extra seats um, so that they could have that 50-50 split, well, um, the senator from Virginia, Joe Manchin, um, essentially blocked the bill, and so it didn't allow it to go through. And this would have been, you know, two to three trillion dollars. Um, I know I'm putting a range on that and talking sure. about trillion, no. but it was a significant amount of money yep. that would have made um, would have made a difference for sure in a number of areas. And it just makes me think that progressives, like they, seems like they can never get their act together in terms of moving things along. There's always like this. On one side, there's this like extreme of like it has to be perfect, it has to be the silver bullet. And then on the other side, it's like, well, uh, it's too far, you're too far gone, so I'm not willing to talk to you. Mm. But like you have this moment right now, and the midterm elections in the United States are this year. You have this moment right now where in 2020. So many progressives, so many people were excited to just move on. You got these two extra senators. And yes, some things were passed. It's not like it's been a dud of the first two years for Joe Biden. Mm. Some things have gotten passed. But you have this moment to make some historic, historic programming legislation. And you can't get it done. And it's like if conservatives and Republicans had that chance, 100% they would band together and figure that shit out. Like it's just, yeah, oh, no question. I think, well, I think part of it is that, you know, conservatives... By definition and principle, when change happens, there's a lot to lose, right? You're conservative for a reason. And so you're going to make sure that you get involved. You're going to make sure that you, you know, you, um, hold on to whatever you have, right? There's a lot more incentive, whereas progressives, it's, you're always chasing this thing that's not really defined very well, Mm. I think. And so it's just, it, it boggles my mind. We've seen this in, we've seen this in Canada too, in, in several provinces where, um, progressives could not band together in a strategic way. And then all of a sudden, the next election, you see people frustrated, and then they vote in a conservative government, right? And so it's the same thing. I I really question the 2022 midterms, whether, um, same thing with Obama. I mean, whether this thing goes to the Republicans and you see a shift in power, and then what? Then you're gonna be like, oh, we had those two years to get something done and we couldn't, right? And you ever watch? uh... I I think I think there's just a lot. It just frustrates me whenever I see. um, And maybe there's still a chance they're saying uh, Joe Manchin maybe did this on purpose because now he has kind of control of things, so he can really say what he really wants. Mm -hmm. And there's still an opportunity to do this bill. And so maybe there's a possibility of doing that. But if it doesn't happen. I don't know. There's a limited window here because the midterms are coming up. So you only have a certain amount of time to get this done. Oh, man. And if they can't get this done, you know, we're talking about significant things that will, will benefit so many people in their lives. And you can't rally around to just get this thing done.
1: Bounder, dude. I that, man? What a name. Joe Manchin? That's a name.
0: Yeah. He's, uh, he, he is holding a significant amount of power for sure. He's, uh, Do you think
1: he's like sort of, and I don't know anything about this stuff. Um, do you think he's so, that's like you sort of mentioned the fact that maybe he did it now because he has all this sway and power and everybody's talking about Joe Manchin and politically, that's probably like politically, mm-hmm. you know, politics in some ways is a popularity contest. And so if you if people know you, um, that's not a bad thing. You ever watch Veep?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched all the seasons, but definitely. I've Man,
1: that yeah. show, if that's any reflection of reality, just like.
0: I don't know man <laughs> and, I, and I'm not saying it is I, I don't know anything
1: about that stuff but um, if even a fraction of that is true and like how people are sort of recruited to vote one way or another on a certain bill or whatever it is um, well Joe, man- Joe
0: Manchin's from uh, so Virginia is typically a Republican state like Trump won that in 2020 by 16 percentage points like significant mm. and so I think Joe Manchin's opposition to the progressive part of his party is a real big seller for a lot of the voters in Virginia because it's like, okay, he's somebody who's, you know, he's sticking to us. He's he's holding down Virginian values, sure. right? And so maybe and he did it to be true to his voters. Oh, for sure. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, all these things are political for sure. But it's just when you have when you have this massive opportunity to make sure. a significant amount of change. Sure. Um Obama's book uh that I read, he talks about uh, was it was it the climate legislation or was it was it Obamacare? But anyways, probably Obamacare. He, you know, he was able to convince some people to some congresspeople to to sacrifice their political career, career. and then the midterms they lost. They lost their careers, but it was because they voted for Obamacare, right? Ah, transformational stuff, right? For at least for that country. Um, I don't know. They're talking about two to three trillion dollars, like that is huge. That's big money. Like what's the GDP of the United so, States right now?
1: I think fourteen trillion. That's, that's a fat chunk of change.
0: It's a lot yeah. of money, and I mean, the concern is about borrowing. And it's like, okay, now you're concerned about borrowing. <laughs> like <laughs> All this die, your debt. If you look at the U.S. debt clock, that you find that online, like it's just enormous. And now you're now you're concerned about debt. It's always that question. It's like debt. <laughs> but, I mean, this is. I'm sure there's, uh, you know, out of two, three. Two to three trillion dollars. You're gonna have some things that are falling through the cracks and are pro- probably not properly planned or thought mm-hmm. through. Um, but there's there was significant climate stuff in there, right? I mean, it wasn't the perfect bill they were talking about doing. Originally, they were talking about doing a clean electricity standard, which would have made a significant amount of difference. It obviously would have taken coal power off the grid in the United mm-hmm. States. But Joe Manchin's from coal power state, right? So then they shifted to incentives and, and putting a lot of money, throwing money at the problem. And so there's a lot of subsidies and incentives and things like that that were a part of mm. this bill as opposed to like that kind of legislation. But it still didn't uh, still didn't go through.
1: Oh, man. Great. Yeah. Sorry I can't offer up any, you know, pithy uh, retorts no. to any of that. I just don't know anything about American politics. I haven't been following much at all. No,
0: it was just something I, I wanted to bring up because I'm like, am I in this? Am I thinking about this the wrong way? Like, it just. It just seems that every time progressives, whether it be in this country or anywhere, when they have the opportunity, there's, yeah, there's this year of like, okay, everyone's going to, we're going to do something. And then all of a sudden the knives come out and and people are like, oh no, this is not progressive enough. Or you're going too far rather than just looking at like, you know, it's a constant progress. You're not going to make change overnight, Mm. right? Like it's a big ship that the United States has to move. No, there's a video
1: uh, on YouTube. There's a guy, ah, shit, what's his name? John I can't remember he just did like a joint so he has his own um YouTube channel which is worth watching on its own very interesting guy he's not very old I doubt he's he, he might be in his thirties and he just covers topics that are generally interesting um and his YouTube channel has now kind of sort of gained some momentum, but he just paired up with the new york times and and they put together a video that's speaking to basically exactly what you're talking about it's 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 uh titled something of, that's a little um, clickbaity. It's it's like liberal hypocrisy has stalled all democratic policies or something like that. But you should look it up because I didn't know much about it and I I had watched it and it's pretty interesting and he's he's pretty good at sort of um I don't know, at uh uh communicating complex sort of histories and problems and theories or whatever and um mm. what the heck's his name, John something. But yeah, just look up John, uh New York Times, liberal hypocrisy, and I'm sure it'll pop up. Um, mm-hmm. But he talks. He, he talks about that exactly, and I think he even mentions mm-hmm. like the ability of sort of the Democrats to find ways to not be as cohesive as they need to, whereas the other side has always been a bit of a mm-hmm. bit of a more cohesive unit. So I don't. I don't think you're off base based on one YouTube video I watched. So I mean, what more do you need, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about so Elon Musk is uh, was doing a podcast or something recently. And he was asked about people criticizing his wealth, Mm. right? And particularly, um, there are some Democratic senators, Elizabeth Warren in particular, maybe Bernie Sanders, um, who have said, you know, I think Elizabeth Warren even called Elon Musk a freeloader. And said, you know, he's he's not paying paying his taxes taxes and all this kind of stuff. Richest man in the world or second richest man in the world, Mm. whatever. And he's not paying any taxes. And so he he talks about this. And he said, well, it's not like I'm sitting on a big pile of cash. Like, all my wealth essentially is tied up with two companies, Tesla and SpaceX. Tesla as stock, and he's like, I own twenty percent of the company, so shareholders determine the value of that company, and right now they're valuing it at a trillion dollars. So yeah, my wealth is that much, 20% of that. Um, essentially. And then SpaceX, he's like, you know, um it's it's a private company, but you know, my my wealth is tied up in that as well. It's not like I just have all this cash. And I started to think about it about whether that made sense to me. And I think it does because, it, you know, it's like you're discounting the, you know, I think I think SpaceX maybe from my point of view is a little bit more controversial than Tesla um, just because you can argue the amount of satellites they're putting up there. Like, is that a good thing? Um, the amount of- Cars
1: floating like, in space.
0: Yeah. And emissions that come out of these things. And, and I've read an article about how um, the launch sites like it it really destroys the surrounding land around those mm. areas and, and all kinds of stuff so i th- I think SpaceX may be a little bit more controversial, but still like nasa is not is not doing anything and spacex stepped in and is and is now the pretty much the main firm or company that is is doing nasa 's business. Right? Clearly, they're adding value in some mm. way, shape, or form. And obviously, Tesla is adding a ton of value and has advanced EVs beyond anyone's imagination in the short amount of time that they involved. Yeah. And so he put his, you know, I, I, we may have talked about this, but... If you've ever heard about his story, like when he did PayPal and he had a billion dollars and he he risked that for SpaceX and it was like down to the last launch, launch and if it didn't work, he would have lost that billion dollars essentially. And he was willing to do that because for him, it was about solving some important problem and achieving something of great value, right? Like So to get that kind of criticism and he says he doesn't have any offshore bank accounts mm-hmm. and like, he, I mean, I'm sure people have looked into this. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't, I, I guess I don't, I don't know. I don't have a problem with it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But I want to hear your thoughts. If it, it, do you think it's a problem that, you know, and he recently also sold some of his Tesla stock because he was criticized and like, Hey, people were like, Hey, you should t- sell your Tesla stock and then put that money towards like ending world hunger or something. And he's like, well, if there was an actual feasible way to do that, I would do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the UN, I think got involved and they're like, no, there are programs here. You could totally help out. And so he's sold some of his Tesla stock as a result. Interesting. Of that. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, anyway. so I
1: don't know. I don't but know enough about us tax law to have an opinion worth listening to on this. I, I will say, um, that if he is not breaking any laws, if he's paying the taxes that are owed to the United States based on his income, and sure there's ways around it, I imagine. And again, I don't really know enough about that stuff to be worth listening to. Mm. Um, if he's not breaking any laws that anybody can prove, and he's he's sort of paying the taxes that are owed based on whatever the IRS says, um, I don't really have a problem with it. Um, I think that it's it, it's difficult. It's almost like two separate conversations, right? Like, you can't just say, wow, this guy doesn't need to pay taxes because he's doing all these wonderful things for humanity. we're like, Jeff Bezos is doing I'm not awesome. I mean, whatever. His company is probably much less um socially impactful in a positive way than, say tesla or spacex will be uh who knows what well like what history's opinion will be of these companies 200 years from now but i would imagine that you know musk's companies will have a greater positive impact than than bezos's companies um but as long as they're both paying the taxes that they that they are owed and as far as the irs can tell they're not I don't know, not breaking any laws, and I guess it's fine. Um, yeah, sorry, not that interesting of a of a hot take, but oh, I, it was
0: more of a principle yeah. question, right? Like whether somebody who, two people. I mean, I, I don't know about Bezos' wealth, and but I think a lot of it is also tied up in Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people who have created things that have, I mean, we can't deny Amazon t- has added value to society. Maybe it's now like you know, things are a little bit much, yeah. but. But but at the same time, like you know, we talked to Joelle and she talked about how they've enabled oh, and a lot all of good, these things yeah. that we, that was very positive. Yeah. And and you think about this pandemic, how many things have people like we could we have functioned in terms of getting our goods and services if it weren't for companies like Amazon? Probably, I mean, and Amazon really is pushing the bar yeah. from a supply chain perspective. Totally. They have really driven innovation. They have pushed all these other companies to rethink how they do business like those are positive value add to society now i mean we can we can spend a whole podcast talking about the negative aspects of amazon and amazon web services and whatever um but nevertheless let's just say that like you said they're not doing something wrong in principle the first and second richest people on the planet if they're not paying much in taxes because their wealth is tied up in their stocks is that a problem Oh, man. I don't know. Forget about the company. Forget about whether the company adds value or not. I don't.
1: I mean, I have stocks. I don't pay taxes on them. Um, I don't know those companies, though. So I don't know. I honestly, I I, I don't know. I think I'm okay with it. I don't know enough about it to, like, have a strong stance that I could, like, back up with any kind of rationale because I just don't know. You know, from how you presented it to me, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's that big of a problem. Um but And I'm sure I'm missing something. Yeah. Like
0: absolutely I'm sure I'm missing I mean, something.
1: But right? you know that, that, like what's what's the breakdown I don't know. I like what's the breakdown of are they paying like they could they could afford to pay more taxes, probably. More so than people who have less money. Um but if they're using legal mechanisms to to pay the you know the the least amount of tax possible and those loopholes are are still available if Mm -hmm. if it's legal if it's all legal which again i don't know if it is maybe there's some sort of shady dealings but if it's legal if they're not laundering money or however people sort of get out of paying taxes i don't i don't take issue with it um now we could debate whether the laws are are, are are yeah are ethical or not but i don't think you can conflate I think to a degree, if somebody's making their money illegally, obviously this is different, but I don't think that that you could you can say, it's okay for this guy because his company has a strong social benefit and it's not okay for this guy mm. because his company doesn't. It. Mm-hmm. It's just, here's the law, the law is the law. If you make money legally, here's what you have to do with it as far as the tax perspective goes. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of it. And so I don't, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to pay more taxes than I do, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And if I had a billion dollars, I doubt I would just, I, I doubt that that, 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 that would, change in in me um mm-hmm. and you could t- you know they you could take in sort of the charitable donations and sort of how they're impacting you know society in a positive way um into consideration which i think when you file your taxes you do at least in canada you do right like mm-hmm. so I, I don't know i don't uh, yes yeah, so i i don't know enough about it to have a hot take on it if they're following law and like not breaking it i think i'm okay with it i would I think I'm. I would be fine if people that made a bit more money paid a bit more taxes than those who didn't. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know enough about tax law to really have any any kind of hot hot takes on this one. So like you, you sound like you're just. It's it's good though, right? Like you're
0: fine with with what's going on. I think, based on sort of what you're also saying, like as long as they're not, which I I am sure that obviously there are people are taking advantage of tax loopholes and all yeah, this kind of thing. Sure. So though, if those things were corrected and there and you know everything was you know peachy from a tax code perspective and people can't avoid things and they don't have any sort of offshore bank accounts, I'm okay with creators being rewarded. Like I think that they put they took the risk. Um, and I'm just speaking about Elon Musk because I don't know Jeff Bezos' story. But what I've read about Elon Musk in this mm. story is that he took the risk. You know, and obviously yeah. he, he, there are a lot of people at Tesla in the beginning he worked with and, and all that kind of stuff. But he's these entrepreneurs are taking risks and they should yeah. be rewarded well, for and, it. And even Not like, everybody is doing that. Yeah. And right? like, even Musk, I don't know the details,
1: but he's like, I started this company, failed. Uh, this company, failed. Third company I started, failed. Fourth company, started. Fifth was PayPal. And so he like mm. lost, you know, he got the shit kicked out of him mm-hmm. uh, from an entrepreneurial perspective f- four times. I I sure that PayPal was his fifth company, right? But right. so he, I mean, four times he he tried something and mm-hmm. failed, and he kept going. And then he did PayPal, and then he did SpaceX, and then you know Tesla. And so he sort of, um, he I don't know that if I put my life savings, and I don't know if he did or not for those first four companies, but if I I can. <laughs> lost all my money Call two times in separate ventures and it didn't go well i don't know that i would try a third mm. time definitely not a fourth time and definitely not a fifth time like you really mm. have to have a certain uh it's just it's sort of how you're wired it has to really you have to be so resilient to do that stuff and
0: he was resilient but now he's the richest guy on earth and so well yeah so i don't know i um but if Tesla, so like he said, like if Tesla tanks, I go down with the company. Like, he's like, that's my mentality. He's like, I'm not all of a sudden Tesla selling Tesla stock to make some mm. money and then rebuying those shares or anything like that. Again, taking his word yeah. at it. I don't know what the actual truth yeah. is. I don't know. I think that's, this is somebody who believes in his company and, and he, he, you know, he should be rewarded for the success of that mm. company. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's ways I I think the challenge is that people it's just a perception thing, right? Is that the richest two people on the planet may not be paying that many taxes compared to Joe Schnell, yeah. right? Um that you know, that there's that whole um Obama said this with about Buffett that Buffett's secretary pays more taxes than Warren Buffett does. <laughs> right? Is that true? <laughs> I, I don't know, but I, I mean, he said that line, and I'm sure there's some truth yeah. to that, right? And Buffett has acknowledged like that's, yeah, proportionally people who are rich like him need to be paying more in taxes. Mm. Um, anyway, just was curious about your your thoughts on yeah. that. What I also wanted to talk about though is when you're talking about space, have you heard about this James Webb telescope? Um, just periphery, I, I, I overheard a conversation.
1: Fascinating. Um, so uh, give me the background here and we'll.
0: $20 billion telescope. It's essentially i don't know if it's putting hubble out of commission but essentially is going to be the telescope okay. now um and james webb i guess he was the nasa administrator during like the apollo missions okay. like during the 60s so i guess well-known name i didn't know i didn't find okay. that out and so 20 dollars. billion they're hoping this telescope can give insights into the origins of the big Bang. Cool, very cool yeah just and and just incredible they said they had to Fold it into the spacecraft. And then once it gets launched, it has to then in space, like unfold itself and then set itself. Like It's just beyond <laughs> super you, cool. You know how they do super cool.
1: So, um, yeah, I'm on all... that's very interesting stuff. Um, I'd, I'd be very curious to see sort of what, what they kind of find out. And, you know, Big Bang theory, any, any more information on that would be pretty sweet. Um, space is so interesting and so boring at the same time. Like, it's so. Like there's so much potential, right? Like there's so much potential out there for space, so many interesting things. If there is other life, which there probably is, um, it's so cool. Um, mm. And you know, now like uh, the New York Times has like released videos of like unidentified flying objects that have now been declassified. Mm. And all that stuff—that's all interesting stuff too. But I don't know. It's just I—I <laughs> I find. Um, like, when I knew, like, a, a what just went to Mars? There was, like, a little robot that went to Mars, and, like, mm. it's just boring. It's just, like, red dirt. And it, cool, right? Like, it, it's there, and that's fun. That's um, a journey that it's ins- makes it the, so amazing. The journey right? is insane. The, the The fact that they can even put a man into space and women into space and, like, put them on planets, and, like, that's insane. That's just so crazy. Um. But they never find anything that cool. <laughs> I have this debate, I with, think w- with like some friends of mine, all the time. And you're gonna get a whole bunch of hate. Probably, on this one. probably. And I, you know, like Chris Hadfield is now not going to come on our show—not that he ever was before. But like <laughs> Chris, like, make space interesting to me. Um, and it, it's you know, to be fair, I had a telescope when I was a kid. Like, I used to look at the moon. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cool stuff. But I have this debate w- w- um, with my friends of like the ocean versus space. Like, what's more interesting right mm. now? The ocean. Mm. Uh, I'm 100 percent team ocean because there's so many interesting things going on in the ocean. Um, Agreed. So, like, yeah. if I, if somebody was like, "Hey, you need to dedicate your life to," or like, read two books on the ocean or two books on space, I'm like ocean, like this, and it, it, if it's mm. like nonfiction, because there's so many cool things in the ocean. Like, uh, have you watched um, the documentary My Octopus Teacher? Oh, man, I should watch it. super cool. The, the, this guy in, like, South Africa uh, just, like, dives this sort of little coastal kelp forest every day mm. for not quite a year. And he makes this relation, and he, like, forms this relationship with this octopus. And the stuff that this octopus does is insane. It's so cool. Really, really cool. And just, like, that's pretty interesting. Um, Have you heard that killer whales are now actively hunting great white sharks off the coast of Africa?
0: I think I heard. I think I saw. There are great white these, sharks yes.
1: washing up on the shores. They're mm. dead, and only their mm. one organ is gone. So, they, so like these killer whales know how to kill a shark, and the and and like the best part of the shark to eat. How cool mm. is that? That's so cool. Uh, so, like they're the apex predator now in the ocean. Um, mm. Probably I don't know, but that's I mean that's cool. Have you ever heard like the blue ringed octopus? Check out this no. blue octopus. It's like this little octopus. It's like orange. It has little blue rings on it. And it's lethal. It like has like a little toxin in it that like you don't feel it, but it'll like puncture mm. your skin and it puts a toxin in you and you slowly go paralyzed. You, you Sorry. You slowly become paralyzed and you die. It's like this cute little octopus. It mm. like changes. It's like kind of like flashy blue and orange. It's super cool. This is just a blue-ringed octopus It could totally kill you.
0: I I, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think the ocean is obviously, we don't know enough about our oceans. We don't know about the the internal core about our Earth. Like we do a lot more exploration, it seems like, outside of our Earth than, than we do on Earth in mm-hmm. that regard. I think the thing that's cool for me about space is that it just goes beyond one's mental capacity and imagination. Totally. Like I was reading today about... You know, we all i'm sure you've seen these videos of how you know the earth like they, they show the earth and then these next planet and the next planet you see the earth get smaller and smaller mm-hmm. and then when compared to the sun it's so tiny and then the sun compared to the next star or whatever i was reading this article about how they they were able to detect this mega i don't know if it was a death star but essentially when a star is on its is now done it releases a ton of energy and so they said they were able to either capture or detect this flare of energy that emitted one billion times more energy than this our sun in one tenth of a second. Like I don't even Crazy. know how to put that yeah. together. I don't even know what that. No, you means. can't comprehend it. To me, that like it's just that's the cool part for yeah. me is that it just goes beyond your imagination. Even like simple enough, you think about our solar system that we have these marbles just in this. Three dimensional space, and they just happen to move around each other, uh, and you know we're just we're just on terra firma here, and we can't even we don't know what that looks like. Like to be able to go to space and then see that blue marble or any of these other planets, like it, it just. Yeah, again, I think it's just so, it just boggles my mind so much more than I think. I think the ocean is so cool. And I think there's obviously like the midnight zone and the dark parts of the ocean. We don't know much about it. There's so many crazy species down Mm. there that we have no idea exist. Fascinating. But I think it's like so much more tangible. And I think that's cool in Mm. itself. But then like the fact that so much of space is not tangible, just... For me, it takes it to another. Yeah, level. no,
1: that's fair. I think the fact that it's not tangible is what is what sort of
0: makes it not. That detracts at yeah, a little so bit. It's just
1: like okay, yeah, so okay. there's this star that blows up and it's a billion times greater than the sun.
0: <laughs> right. So
1: it's like so far away. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm never gonna feel its heat or like that's a lot of energy. Yeah. Like we're all gonna die one day. Like there's gonna, you know, the, the sun will explode and like that'll be it or whatever it is that does it. Like our planet is, you know, eventually gonna just be wiped up. I'm mm. sure, but. Um, it's because it's unfathomable, because our brain just doesn't sort of comprehend what that means. I don't know, maybe I'm too stupid to sort of realize the like potential of it or something. But until there's like, you know, life in outer space, or they, I don't know. You ever seen the movie Event Horizon? There's just like there's like this ship. It's like a ghost ship. It's like a ship that's like floating in space. It's just like full of dead people, and like they send people Mm. like until we find like an event horizon from a different whatever you know planet millions of light years away that's just like floating but like there's nothing in it we go in and it's doing weird stuff till that happens then space becomes yeah cool. that's space cooler than the ocean immediately right yeah. like that's the thing it takes like <laughs> one little thing and it's just like this is space is awesome space is the coolest we yeah. just haven't had that thing yet although why did those videos of of uh, ufos or whatever they called them um, from the Air Force, from the U.S. Air Force, not garner more interest.
0: Like, like, have you seen these things? No, I've heard Joe Rogan talk about these things, like, endlessly. Uh, with I don't understand. Guests, but I haven't seen it I don't understand videos, why so. it's
1: not bigger news. Like, it, they just basically admitted that there's, there's these things that are flying in our airspace that we don't know how they, we don't know why they move the way they do. We don't know how they move the way they do. Like, it's, I think maybe because it's, like, it, done in that, sort of that, whatever fighter jets use for the um visual imaging it's it's not like you know super clear 4k Mm. (laughs) whatever we use now but Mm. still it's like these objects and the guy's like what is that i have no idea it's like moving back and forth super quick and that's just Mm. gone like why are we Mm -hmm. not talking about that i can't believe that that like it's almost like that uh don't look up where they're like yeah like there's a meteor coming everybody's gonna die and they just nobody took it seriously and um I don't know. You could, I, I thought of that immediately when I saw a couple scenes in that Don't Look Up mm. because they're releasing interesting information here. And it's not, you know, it's like death isn't imminent because of these images, but these are like groundbreaking stuff. Uh, and it's basically like the United States government admitting that we have, that there are strange things happening and we can't explain them. And here's a video of it. Everybody was like, oh, that's cool. You know, did you others win last night? <laughs> I don't know. Interesting stuff
0: i don't know maybe there's i i I think i don't know for me it's it it is interesting but i don't um i don't i wasn't captivated by it i guess because i guess maybe it's i needed like some some authorities some good authorities to really like weigh in on this right like and and i've heard like neil degrasse he was on tyson or whatever he was on uh on Joe Riggins podcast and he talks about this he, and he kind of makes some good scientific arguments about like, okay, what that could have been. Like you could have glitch in in in, in the systems. Mm-hmm. You could have, you know, people's perception as a pilot. Like, I don't know if they're the most trustworthy people. Um, not to say that they don't see they haven't seen what they saw, but anyways, I I, I mean I think there's a number of arguments to be mm-hmm. made. I don't doubt that there aren't there isn't life out there. Like how could you just the expanding universe in itself like there's so much unexplored how can we say that there it'd be ignorant to say that there isn't anything yeah. out there right but i don't know i, I think it's uh i don't know i, I think it just needs a little bit more scientific consensus from that's something actually i was going to ask you is that so you're um that guy uh that you you told me more recently about who you you read his book is it steve pinker steven pinker, yeah. pinker steve yeah. steven pinker he do you hear him on uh, I watched
1: a clip of his first appearance on that show, but it was like from a couple of years ago, I think.
0: So he did one a few, about a oh, month cool! Or yeah, two no, I have ago. Yeah. Really, really interesting, and they had a um, fascinating conversation. And I can see, I can totally understand why you're a fan of his. He sounds, uh, yeah. Sounds, I mean, um, I've only
1: read one of his books. It's called Enlightenment Now, but it's just like, you know, here's what here's what everybody says is. Is mm-hmm. what's going on right now, like, like this is the worst time to be alive for all these reasons. And here's like, it's patently false. Here's all the data to show that mm-hmm. this is easily the greatest time to be alive. And it was just a really refreshing mm-hmm. book because the and he just backed and I have whatever I didn't check his data, but whatever, like, why, but just really. And he's you know, he's a good writer. Um, and, and I found that book really interesting. So I've got one more of his on hold at the library, I
0: can't remember what it's called, but. Mm. Well, he just—he apparently he just wrote a. Book I think recently, it's his new one. So yeah, but I can't what remember what it, it is. Yeah, no, okay. he's an
1: interesting dude for sure, and just, um, you know, smart guy, eloquent guy. He actually wrote like a like a writing guide, like a sense and style writing guide, <laughs> mm. which I tried to read and couldn't figure it out because I'm not an author. But, um, yeah, no, he's a, he's an interesting. guy. He's a guy worth paying attention to because he just like makes you feel good, mm. and he he, he apparently mm-hmm. has um a couple other books on. Um on like violence throughout history, and, and he has another book on mm. um i'm gonna mess this up anyways yeah he's he's worth reading for sure,
0: so they were talking about conspiracy cool. theories, right and and joel rogan was just you know obviously talking about the u f o thing and some other ones, and Steven pinker he kind of he's like it's like i don't know he's like i'm sure there are some things that that might make sense, but to think that um that the broader society or that like that a secret is so closed that only a few people know it. And to date, not many, like no one has kind of exposed that or no one or no one. There's no further agreement like that, that the information is so tightly kept that um, not more people know Mm -hmm. about this, especially in this day and age. He's like, I just can't believe that. Right. It just doesn't make any sense to me like that, that only a certain amount of people can hold on to a certain secret or conspiracy. But I thought, it was, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a neat
1: Totally. Neat. Like you think about, I mean, to for some of these things to be true, you, you would have to have the greatest information-keeping, you know, hiding mm. body of all time. You know, to, lo, lo, like beyond anything that we could ever understand. Like to be able to sort of house this information in a safe space, wherever that is, and to only disseminate to people that I absolutely had to know and none of those people ever leaked the information either intentionally or accidentally mm-hmm. it's just that takes a lot to believe like think of all the times in history where information has been leaked inadvertently when it meant the most mm-hmm. like have you seen the uh, the imitation game with uh Benedict Cumberbatch uh, it's about world war I'm gonna mess this up now but it's a world war one and I think the Brits it's the coding one. the German code
0: okay I haven't seen it but I know about it yet
1: um and, like, that, you know, according to the movie, and I'm not a historian, like, that played a major role in Germany losing the war. And it all happened because, they, you know, mm-hmm. there's a couple little, like, I don't know. So I, I just think that, you know, there's a, that there have been a lot of things where the stakes have been incredibly high and that information leaked for whatever reason. And, you know, like, governments and large bodies can't can't keep secrets forever. And so why why would these, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the body and question is why would they be able to keep these secrets so locked up and tight mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also like what's the motive around it? i don't know i've i've never yet. Yeah. Yeah, no i don't that. think i've ever really been super convinced by you know rationale behind con- is there conspiracy any theories?
0: conspiracy theory like mainstream one that you maybe grew up with and you're like ah that might sound like kind of real or um I
1: I don't think so. I can't even like really think of no. like like what are some popular ones? Like throw some my way and I'll tell you if they're true or not.
0: Well, the one that I've always uh, always wondered about was the JFK assassination. Oh. Like that's obviously a very popular yeah. one, and that one, you know, especially with um, that Kevin Costner oh, movie. God. yeah, you can't. Um, I mean, JFK I love that thing. movie. It's it's hard it's hard to argue. Obviously, that video footage. But then I've since then I've I've. I've read and watched videos about other people doing analysis on these things, and so you're kind of like, okay. Uh, but, anyways, that that one to me is interesting, and it's like the fact that we everyone's asking this question, but nobody gives an answer to it yeah. properly. Or I mean, it's a, um, that one. That
1: movie is very after that was really my, my so that movie with JFK right? It's called by by Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that was Oliver the Stone, first yeah. exposure I ever really had to that conspiracy theory. And when it was over, I was like, it's fact. Like this is it's yeah. clearly. <laughs> Like, why are people not yeah. in jail? Like, why is this even a question? Yeah. And then I googled it, and they're like, Oliver Stone took some pretty strong liberties in that movie and really painted mm-hmm. one side of it and, um, mm-hmm. whatever. But man, he, yeah, that's pretty. I, I, I was convinced that it was true, right? And, Me too. Like, that's Hollywood. Um, yeah, I don't really know where I land on that one. I always feel so bad for Jackie Onassis. Like that video is heartbreaking mm-hmm. when she's like trying to crawl over the back mm-hmm. of the thing, and she like. I don't know, mm-hmm. man. Fucking crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I sort of like when I was a kid. I liked to believe in like Ogopogo and like Bigfoot, and Yetis or whatever mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I just don't. I don't think in today's. I don't think it could stay the secret for this long. You know what I mean? Like especially mm-hmm. today with drones and stuff, and
0: and all our smartphones yeah. and everything. Everyone's got a watch. Totally, so, like that's right?
1: yeah. I mean, I was so I've been rewatching. So every Christmas over the break, I like to sort of rewatch like. Uh, movies that are that I haven't seen in a while that I know I enjoyed. So last Christmas I watched like all the Daniel Craig James Bond movies, loved them. I Thanks. actually haven't seen the new one. I'm mm. amped on it. But so this year mm. I've I've watched two and a half of the first three Born movies, uh, mm. which is so good. They're so they're I great. But yeah. I don't know if that story could happen yeah. today. Because, like, they're mm. all using, like, f- like flip phones, and they're all, like, they're, like nobody has the, or mm. if people, like, not everybody has a camera in their phone. If they are, they're not reliable. And so many things happen in public spaces that, like, it would be impossible for these people to hide. Um, anyway, so, th- I just, you know, if Jason Bourne, you know, can't get away with this stuff, how can Bigfoot? All right? <laughs> Ask yourself that. We should probably end on that <laughs> yeah, By the way, those board <laughs> movies, great. But they, they hold Amazing. up very, very strongly.
0: But yeah, yeah, no, we sure. uh have a lot of topics on this one. Yeah, it was a good conversation. Hey, uh we have uh for folks listening to our show, we have some guests lined up over the next month and a bit and hopefully we'll have some more lined up as well. And in the meantime, Colin Island will come in every now and then and do a little bit of another episode to nobody's talk. But Kyle, man, always a pleasure. Enjoyed talking yeah, to man. you. Yeah,
1: man. Nice touch base again and happy to be uh, chatting with you on a regular basis again. Yep.
0: All right. That's a wrap, guys. Bye. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, buddy.